Well, we uh, are at the last paragraph in Luke 12. And uh, here is what Jesus says. Luke 12, 57 through 59. And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle. And so the ESV uses the term settle. The NIV uses the term be reconciled to. Okay. With him on the way lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer put you in prison, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. Now, some commentators and interpreters say, well, Jesus is giving legal advice. Right? So when you go to court, always settle out of court. Do you think that's what's going on here? Giving court advice? I, I think there's a, there's a couple of problems with thinking that Jesus is giving actual legal advice about settling out of court with a human. Okay? Um, what, one problem is this. In many lawsuits, actually the most godly thing you can do is not to settle but to fight for what is right and what is just. Okay? If, if this is true, then Christians should just, you know, anybody who wants to threaten a Christian with a lawsuit, we should just hand them, give them what they want and never go to court. If that's how we're taking it, that this is the command for all lawsuits, uh, then your marching orders are all somebody has to do is threaten a lawsuit and you hand over whatever you want. That doesn't seem right, okay? But secondly, the idea that he is giving advice for two humans going to the law, uh, to, to the judge, um, is out of context with the entire chapter. Everything in the chapter uh, has a spiritual basis. It's about man and God. There's nothing just about, hey, here's how you... Uh, you know, here's how you do auto mechanics. Here's how you fix your computer. Here's how you shovel your driveway. Now, it, it, it's, it's all about you and God. For example, he begins with a, a call to beware of hypocrisy because one day God will reveal everything. Right? Then there's a section, fear not man, fear God. Why? Because man can only kill your body, but God can uh, put your body and your soul in hell. Then... Jesus says, acknowledge me. Those who acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge him before God. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before God the Father. Then the rich fool. He had his retirement 401k all figured out, and he built bigger barns, and he was good. It was all good. And then God said, you're going to die tonight. And Jesus says, the lesson is, be rich toward God. Then... uh, Don't be anxious. He gives several reasons why you don't need to worry. Why? Because as a child of God, you have a heavenly father who will take care of you. Then be ready for his second coming. Jesus is coming back. Then Christ divides. When you truly trust in him, he divides families. 
He divides people at work. He brings division. Then last week, another uh, 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 admonition to read the times. Dealing with his first coming and his second coming. So everything here deals with our relationship with God. Okay? So do we really think that all this, uh, all these teachings about discipleship and your relationship with God ends with, by the way, when you go to court, settle out of court, that's the rule. Well, if it's not giving court advice between two humans, what is this teaching about? Well, it's a teaching that's really a parable, not about going to human court, but about the approaching day of judgment. Okay? It's about God and us. And in the teaching parable, God is the accuser, God is the magistrate, God is the judge, and God is the officer. Okay? We are the accused. We are the ones who is brought before the magistrate, before the judge, hell, and handed over to the, the officer. Jesus is saying, in this case... When God is your accuser and God is your judge and God is the one who hands you over, you better not go to court because you can't win against God. And if you don't settle out of court beforehand, when you're thrown into prison, you will pay every last penny. And by the way, if you have offended a perfectly holy God, then you have offended an eternal God and you have an eternal debt, so you will pay yourself for eternity. So in this teaching, God, Jesus, is putting the gospel explicitly in legal terms. Now, Fortunately, so let me put it this way. Unfortunately, God is the accuser, accuser, the magistrate, the judge, and the officer. But fortunately, he is also the reconciler. He is the settler. He is urging you to settle with him. And the good news is, he will pay the difference. He will pay your debt. And that's what the cross is all about, him paying the legal debt for our sin. So be reconciled in a court of law with a a human. You're still going to have to pay something. When you're reconciled with God, he pays the full debt. What a win, right? What 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 great news. Now, let me give you a little little side note here. I am one that that regularly when I when I preach the gospel, the good news, okay, um, I preach it quite regularly as legal good news, and I'm going to do that again today because the text calls for it. But there is far more to the good news than simply legal acquittal. Before God. Okay. In fact, I was uh, last 
Tuesday at our, our uh, senior ladies Bible study at Heritage Woods. We're going through the book of Acts. And this jumped out at me. It's Acts chapter 3. Peter heals a man, and the man starts doing jumping jacks. Yay! And a crowd gathers, and Peter preaches the gospel. And this is what he says. Look at what he says. Repent, then, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. So there's the, uh, there's the legal aspect. When you repent and turn to Christ, uh, you know, he died for your sins. Your sins will be paid for. Your sins will be wiped out. So there's the, the legal aspect of the good news. But look what else. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I don't know about you, but I want God to refresh me. Okay. And that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Well, didn't he already send the Messiah? Yeah, he sent him once to die. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And now... He's going to come back. Well, what's going to happen when he comes back? Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God. Now look at this. To restore everything. As he promised long ago through his holy prophets. Yes, the good news is you can be legally acquitted. But the really, really good news is that's part of a bigger package where one day Christ will restore all things. And I think we're going to explore that even more during Easter season. But but what does does it mean that he's going to restore all things? Well, one thing, you know, before the fall of man, there was no death. When he returns, he will resurrect you, if you've died, from the grave. And you get a a perfect body. Right? You don't even have to go to the gym. He restores life. Um, not, Not only are our bodies cursed, the whole earth is cursed. And he will restore paradise. I don't know what all that means, but I know one thing. No more mosquitoes, all right? Or maybe they'll, like, be used to serve you tea or something. I I don't know what the purpose of the mosquito is. No more pain. No more death. No more sin. Now, a lot of this is vague because it's talking about the future, but in the book of Isaiah... There seems that there will still be nations, but there will be peace between nations. And God will live with us in the midst of us. Oh, and by the way, Satan will be finally completely vanquished in the lake of fire. Right? So uh, I'm, I'm reminded that legal acquittal is good news, but it's part of a bigger big news package that's really good news, okay? But back to today's text, 
Jesus has us focus on the legal aspect of the good news. And that makes no sense apart from the bad news. What's the bad news? Your day in court is coming. Okay. And if you don't settle out of court, it's going to be brutal. Because it will be conducted with ruthless, merciless justice. Right. No one passes. And the result will be all non-settlers, all non-reconciled, all who don't settle will pay their own eternal debt. So, so now to understand the good news, we have to look at the case your accuser has against you. So you say, well, I'm pretty good. Well, well let's look at the, the detail with which you will be examined on Judgment Day. Let's take a look at uh, the law of God and how it will be used to examine your life. So um, we're gonna look, God's going to look at our deeds. By the way, our small group decided to study the book of Ecclesiastes because we're a rather deep group. And we learned this week that all of life is what, Elvis? Hevel. Hevel, yeah. <laughs> it's revel. It's, it's hevel. Yeah, and we're going to find out what that means. Right? It's meaningless. It's vapor. It's, it's, uh, it's a burden if you look at it from a certain perspective. Okay? But here's the last line of Ecclesiastes. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. And um, what's terrifying about this verse is this word every, and this word every, and these words secret thing. Every click of the mouse. Even when no one else is looking. Every thing you report or don't on your income tax. Every law, every moral law will be examined. But not only will our deeds be examined, our words. In this very chapter in Luke, Jesus says this, Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. Yeah, even in the car on the way home from church. Right? Gossip. You know, gossip is listed in Romans chapter 1 in the same vice list as murderers and God-haters. Right? Every word. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what, do you have, what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. The modern-day version has a little footnote, and what you have texted 
No, it doesn't. I'm... Okay. Your deeds, your words, and then even your motives. So on the outside, our actions may look good and righteous and admirable by others, but Paul says this, and I, I'm quoting from the NIV, uh, because not because it's the most accurate, but when you, when you do the study and you do all the background, you find out that what it's saying here is actually pretty accurate, okay? Paul says, my conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. There are people who have seared consciences, who you look at them and their lives are just a mess, but you ask them, how, how are you? I'm great. I'm good. So Paul says, my conscience is clear, but that doesn't make me innocent. It's the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness, and look at this, and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. Uh, there, there may be, in some cases, motives that we ourselves didn't even know about that will be praised, but then there are those that on the outside, Paul says, I think I'm good, but God will reveal my motive. Was it truly for his glory or was it to look good? The human heart can be very deceptive, even self-deceptive. Now, I would assume that every normal person would look at this and be trembling. But there are those who go, yeah, I'm good. My deeds, my words, my motives, they're all pure. Remember, Josh once did a Bible study at uh, high school, and he said, are any of you perfect? Expecting a rhetorical answer of no. And one girl said, yeah, I am. (laughs) (laughs) There are people. Well, the Apostle Paul, before he was truly saved, in Philippians chapter 3, he said, as to the law, flawless. He, he, the rich young ruler, Jesus said, have you kept the law? He goes, yeah, I've kept it ever since. I've so there are some people who are so self-deceived that they think they're doing pretty well. So look at this. Here's the standard. It's not just that you do pretty good. Jesus said in Matthew five forty-eight, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. The standard is not only that your deeds, your words, and your motives will be examined, but you must perfectly keep God's law without one slip-up. I think a, uh, a verse that everybody needs to master in explaining to others is Galatians 3.10. It says this, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. Now, when it says, for all who rely on works of the law, you have to insert a thought there, which is to make it to heaven. If you are relying on your law-keeping ability to make it to heaven, you are under a curse. Why? Well, now he's going to quote from the Old Testament Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things 
written in the book of the law and do them because the law itself demanded perfection. So, um, I, now what, here's what I'm going to do for the rest of our time. I'm going to give you as many illustrations as I can. And you've, you've heard probably all of these before, but I'm not doing them just for your benefit. I'm doing them so you during second hour, can help one another to articulate these so you can explain the gospel to others. Or the legal aspect of the gospel, just to be clear, all right, uh, to, to others. So, the illustration that I like to use that, to, to illustrate this is the difference between a football team and a gymnast. Okay? Um, what's the difference? Well, when it comes to football, you can be a bad team and still win as long as compared to the other team, you're a little bit better. So name a bad team that plays in Chicago. Okay. But what if they were to play? Do you know who the worst team in the NFL is? Bengals, yes. Yeah. Two and 14. Yeah. You know how they say even a broken clock is right twice? Even the Bengals win twice a season, but that's, that's it, okay? But let's say the Bears played the Bengals. The Bears are not great, but if they play another team not as good as them, um, they would do better. That's how a lot of people look at Judgment Day. Hey, I'm pretty good compared to the people I work with, right? That's not how it works. It's more like a gymnastics meet where, and, and by the way, how the, those girls do some of the things they do, with, <laughs> running flips on balance beams and Floor exercises that defy gravity. But here's the point. When you are in a gymnast meet, you are not competing against the other gymnasts. You are actually competing against the perfect standard in the mind of the judges. Right? You, you are, there's a perfect standard. It's a 10. And if you fall short, if you... It's not even if you fall off the balance beam, but if your toe doesn't point the right way, whoop, 9.9, right? So the first illustration to give, let's say, let's say you sit down with somebody and, and you're talking about Christianity and the gospel and they say, what is this gospel and you, you're, you're explaining about the cross and that there is a judgment day coming and they don't think they're that bad, I would pull out Matthew 5.48. I would pull out Galatians 3.10, read it and explain. And I would use the football gymnastics illustration to show what the standard is going to be on that day. Here, here's my other one. Do you have, did you bring any ropes this morning, dear? I just happened to bring some ropes. You bring some ropes? Okay. And the, uh, some of you have never seen my rope trick. Others of you have, and I apologize to those who have. You're going to see it again, but uh, here's what I do it, it with, with little 
with children's performances, um, but we talk about different kinds of sinners. This is an itty-bitty sinner, and this is an average everyday type sinner, and here's your full-time professional, okay? And I ask them, well, which ones will go to heaven and which ones won't go to heaven? And they most of the time say, well, it's just the full-time professional. These aren't that bad. They'll get into heaven. <laughs> no, no. Um, no matter what kind of sinner you are, whether you are a itty-bitty, an average every day, or a full-time professional, whatever kind of sinner you are, all sin equally keeps you out of heaven. Right? Because the standard is perfection. So whether you are an itty bitty sinner or a average every day or a full time professional, all sin equally keeps you out of heaven, which is why no matter what kind of a sinner you consider yourself to be, an itty bitty, an average every day, or a full time professional, you're in trouble. And then I dismissed them. No, that's the, that's the bad news, right? Right? Okay. Yeah. Work on that, Josh. You practice that. Okay. All right. Here's, here's another illustration that uh, I like to use, and that is, um, and this is props. I did this the other day with the ladies. Were you there when I did it with the ladies? You're homeless. Okay. So this is, these are report cards. Okay. And um, who could I pick on? Angelica? Yeah, but she's a really good kid. <laughs> I need a bad kid. Do we have a bad? No. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Josh. No. Um, so, now I don't know how they do. How do they do report? Is it all electronic today? or Because back in my day, you, you had to carry your own report card in a little brown envelope and give it to your parents, okay? So let's imagine this is somebody's report card. Let's do, let's do Tally, okay? Now, where, she's like really good. Oh, RJ, okay, RJ, (laughs) all right. Or Sylvia, how about you? No, we won't do, okay. All right, so RJ, we're going to put your name. I don't even know what your name is. Yeah, how do you spell that? What, what, what is the R? Richard. Richard and Richard Joseph, okay. So here's the subjects, sharing. How are you at sharing? Well, let, let's ask Sydney. How is he at sharing? Yeah. <laughs> Neither do I, because it's my food. Get your paws off of my food. But you, oh, so what, what would you give him? C, maybe? C plus? You're very nice. Let's give him a C plus, okay? Obeying parents? See, usually the kids are more honest than... With each other. All right, so telling the truth. Tell the truth. A plus. Okay. Now, sometimes you don't want to hear the truth, right? Like, how does this make me look? Like, okay. 
All right, I'm going to give you an A. All right. Speaking kind words. Could he, is he good at that or is... He's a high standard, okay? What, what would you say? Short? Okay. Let me give you a B. Let me give you a B minus. Okay. Letting others go first. Now, this is usually little kids. And um, how were you at, like, if you're in line and somebody, you're at the grocery store, little old lady only has one avocado, and you've got, like, a, a, a cart full of Mountain Dew. <laughs> you would let them go? Okay. Not me. Like, I'm, I was here first. I will race her to the... But... Okay. Loving those who hurt you. Doesn't hold grudges, but... Okay. So, RJ, those are your grades. And uh, we're going to put those in here. And you get the idea, right? Okay. And then here's RJ's report card. And you will go see the principal in a little bit, okay? So now... We are going to grade, and this always happens. Let's say there's a kid in your class named Jesus, okay? And how do you think he is at sharing? A plus, obeying parents, A plus, telling the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life, A+. Speaking kind words, except to the Pharisees who didn't deserve it. Okay, letting others go first, A+. Loving those who hurt him, A+. Okay, so this is Jesus' report card. And we'll put... Jesus there, okay? So, and do you have a children's ministry guest today, Elizabeth, behind you? Uh, yeah, Noah is an elementary education major at Moody Bible Institute. Okay. Took one of my courses. Took one of your courses. So, did you learn, did Mrs. Smith teach you this illustration, or is this the first time you've seen it? This is new. Okay, so... She has a whole class on this, this trick. This, not, it's not a trick. But. So, RJ, how are you feeling about going to see the principal? He would grade you worse than you graded yourself. Okay, so here's the good news. Can I have your report card? <laughs> Cleanliness and neatness. Not... You, you know, they used to grade on that, too, and it's all wrinkled. Okay. But here's the verse. For our sake he made him, God made Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You know what that means? That means that Jesus, who lived a perfect life, 
takes out his record of his perfect life. And guess what, RJ? He gives it to you. So now, when God says, let's see your perfect record, let's see your, your life, it's really Jesus' record that's credited to your account, credited to your report card. And you go, well, what about my actual failures? Jesus says, give them to me. That's why I died on the cross to pay for them. That's the good news of what he did for us. Okay? Let me uh, give you another illustration. In fact, that whenever I, when I sit down with people and explain the gospel, you got a napkin, got a pen, Try to explain that when Jesus died, he died between two thieves. And both of them are railing against him, but in the last moment, this guy repents. He believes in Jesus. He says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, if it's about law-keeping, Jesus would say, sorry, buddy, but you, I'm looking at your record, and you really haven't done much to deserve heaven. But what does Jesus say? I tell you the truth. Today you'll be with me in paradise. And here's what happens. The minute he trusted in Jesus, his sins were transferred to the cross where the perfect son of God died and paid for them. And Christ's perfect record was transferred to him. You go, that's not fair. You better believe it's not fair. You don't want fair. You want grace. Okay. Then there's the, the traffic ticket illustration, which you've heard me use, but the traffic ticket illustration is about the young lady who is driving. She's speeding. She gets pulled over. The officer is writing her a ticket. She starts to cry. She says, I can't pay that. And he says, well, you could try to fight it in court. So she goes to court. The judge hears her case. He brings down the gavel, and he says, you're guilty. You owe the bailiff $200. She's crying again. He gets up, takes off his robe, pulls out his wallet, goes over to the bailiff, pays the $200 himself because he's her father. Right? He is the judge, but he is also the father. Now, the, to, to follow our, our story today, he would have recon- she would have reconciled outside of court, and he would have dealt with that. But actually, to make that picture fit, Not only would he pay her debt, but he would then pull out his credit card and say, here, for the rest of your life, spend away. That's a picture of what Christ has done for us. Let me me end with one last one. During the war between Britain and France, men were conscripted into the French army by a kind of lottery system. When someone's name was drawn, he had to go off to battle. There was one exception to this, however. A person could be exempt if another was willing to take his place. On one occasion, the authorities came to a certain man and told him that he was among those who had been chosen. He refused to go, saying, I was shot two years ago. 
At first they questioned his sanity, but he insisted that this indeed was the case. He claimed that the military records would show that he had been conscripted two years previously and that he had been killed in action. How can that be, they questioned. You're alive now. He explained that when his name came up, a close friend said to him, you have a large family, but I'm not married and nobody is dependent on me. I'll take your name and address and go in your place. And that is indeed what the record showed. This rather unusual case was referred to Napoleon Bonaparte, who decided that the country had no legal claim on that man. He was free. He had died in the person of another. That's some pretty good news. So the last question is this. Have you settled out of court? Have you reconciled by admitting, yes, I'm a sinner. And Jesus, you are not only the judge, but you're the reconciler. You're the one who lovingly, willingly paid my debt. You say, what do I need to do to settle? Admit your sin and trust in him. The offer is for all who will turn to him and believe in him. Let's pray. Lord, what, what good news begins with a warning that a judgment day is coming, begins with an examination by the law. That's the bad news. The good news, Lord, is you paid our penalty. And all who will turn to you and say, yes, I want to reconcile. You take their sins. You give them your righteousness. And we are made right with you. Holy Spirit, do your work amongst us. Draw everyone in this room to reconcile with you and those who have already done, Lord. May we truly be grateful for what you've done in Jesus' name. Amen.